Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Lita Sena Lopez is a 29-year veteran teacher and director of bands at Kaler Middle School in Dyer, Indiana. She attended Indiana State University on a wind scholarship where she studied saxophone and received her bachelor's in music education. She went on to study conducting with Dr. John Boyd and completed her master's in wind conducting also at ISU. As a guest conductor and clinician, she has worked with Indiana All Region and All District Honor Bands, as well as various festivals in Illinois and abroad. She has served as middle junior district representative for the Indiana Bandmasters Association, and her ensembles have been recognized for their outstanding achievements in music performance by the Indiana State School Music Association. Over the years, she has mentored many student teachers attending universities in Indiana and in the Chicagoland area, as well as beginning teachers and colleagues. Lita is a former member and featured soloist with Windiana Concert Band of Northwest Indiana and toured with the group to China in 2006. In 2007, Lita was selected as Outstanding Minority Educator of the Year by the Indiana State Teachers Association. She has been recognized by her school administration for numerous musical achievements, her impact on the scholastic advancement of her students, and as a finalist for Teacher of the Year. Last fall, Lita was selected as the first recipient of the Influential Women of the Year in the Arts by the Northwest Indiana Influential Women's Association. It is my great pleasure to welcome Lita to the podcast this week. So I am very pleased this week uh, to welcome Lita Sena Lopez. Lita, I believe uh, that we met maybe three years ago at the Con Selmer Institute, one of my favorite events of the year. That, that's right? Yes, Jim, and it was really a great experience and uh, was really cool to meet you and find out about the Music First program that you have available for people. Yeah, that Con Selmer Institute, by the way, I, this is not a pitch for it, but just in case anybody doesn't know, it's like the best kept secret. Uh, it's out in um, Bethel, Indiana, right near South Bend uh, on Bethel College campus, um, and, or it's Michigan. I don't know what the name of the town is. It's Bethel right, College. Right, it's Bethel College, and it, it's really, uh, it feels like home there. I mean, it really gives you that sense of that personal connection with all of these great clinicians, and I, I would also very highly recommend it. Yeah, it, and, and you get to spend time with Dr. Tim, and, and what, what <laughs> you don't have to twist my arm to go, and you see just incredible performances. I, I believe it was Canadian Brass the year that I saw you, I forget. Yeah, um, they're amazing. And actually, then, they had uh, Bonarama that year, Oh, too. that's right, that, yeah. That was, that, was the, that was the group I remember, and they were amazing. And it's just a whole bunch of like-minded people who are right at the end of the school year, like end of June, 
getting together while they're still uh, exhausted from a school year and getting that last kind of inoculation of, oh, all right, this is what it means to be a music educator before the summer and, 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 and then, you know, the new start of the new school year. So anybody who hasn't been to Con Selmer Institute, I know it was virtual this year and hopefully next year it isn't. Um, but yeah, it's a great event. And, and, and Lita, I'm glad we got to meet there. I remember you. Um, and I remember uh, talking about music first. So before we talk about what you're actually doing with our platform, why don't you let the listeners know your kind of career path, you know, where you went to school. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm assuming that you're, you're hardcore Indiana. I know that you're from there. So yeah, just talk about your career path and, and, and where you are today. Well, sure. Well, I grew up in an area called the region, which is Northwest Indiana and, and close to Chicago. So we're basically kind of like a, a suburb of Chicago. And I grew up in the town, small town of Chesterton, which is about 10 minutes south of the Indiana Dunes. Oh, and cool. uh, yeah, it's a wonderful area to, to live in. It's, it's actually kind of one of those best kept secrets. It's kind of an up and coming, like cool area to live now. And uh, I grew up with this wonderful music education. First of all, my parents were really into music and my mother was a, uh, an organist for the Catholic Church. So I had a lot of music in my life to grow as I was growing up, but then had these really great um, teachers. I had Tom Kennedy and Al Castronovo, who was really big in the marching band world in, in the 80s. And... Um, just really innovative things that they did with marching band. And I mean, who could imagine the early eighties doing Carmina Burana oh with a violin solo and the band chanting in Latin on the marching band field. I That's mean, awesome. it just really blew your mind. And that program just produced so many amazing musicians that, um, you know, are my colleagues now and just a very cool situation. From there then, I went to Indiana State University and got my Bachelor's of Science in Music Education. And it was a really great experience there. It was a small school experience. I, as a freshman, had many opportunities to participate in all kinds of ensembles. And one of the main things that was really neat about ISU at the time was they had a university school. So as oh, a- like a lab a school? Yeah, lab school. So you had that opportunity for all of your teaching classes to go over there and actually work with a lot of kids in the very beginning. And one of those amazing teachers that was there, and you may know her, she's, everyone knows her, Judy Grimes was oh, uh, cool. a teacher there and, wow. and an amazing mentor to me and role model as a woman, you know, in the field of music. And I had the opportunity to travel with her to Jamaica. She's been doing this trip to Jamaica for like the last 40 years um, to establish like music in the schools around oh, wow. Bay. And so right away I've had like these really cool experiences of going out of the country and sharing music. And that's kind of been the, the backbone of, you know, my philosophy is to get the music out there in the community, share it. How do we bring people together through music and um, just these these directors in the very beginning were, were really influential in that way. Um, from there, I ended up, uh, after I graduated, I started a job in 
you know, the heartland here of Indiana, in the middle of Amish country at a very small school in Bourbon, Indiana. Um, and the school was Triton Junior Senior High School in a very small farming community, mm -hmm. about 40 minutes south of South Bend, you know, the home of the Fighting Irish and right. University of Notre Dame. And it was a very close knit like farming community of about like 1800 people. And um, just a very different experience for me, for sure. And, uh, you know, the kids would bring crossbows to school for hunting season. And, <laughs> you know, it was like a shock to my system. Of course, I grew up, you know, with Chicago news. And I was like, oh, my gosh, kids are bringing crossbows to school. And, <laughs> you know, just a kind of a culture shock for me. But really, this the nicest people. And one of the things that was striking about that community was that, they supported, and not that other communities don't, but they supported their school and the band in such a beautiful way and in no other way that I've ever seen. I mean, and I think that's just characteristic of, you know, a farming community. They really know how to come together as a community. Yep. One of the things that I did um, just be, well, in the beginning, just because quite honestly, I was kind of lonely. Um, not being used to kind of living out in the middle of nowhere, if you want to say it that way. Right, right. Um, that I started a community jazz band um, on Wednesday nights, mainly because the pizza parlor there in town was open on that night <laughs> during <laughs> the week. And so I started this community jazz band and our youngest member was a seventh grader who played drum set. And our oldest member, was in his 80s and played uh, string bass. And we had, we had members of the community that played. We had the owners of the hardware store. Um, the wife came and played tenor sax. And we had some people from neighboring communities come. And it was basically just an opportunity to share music with the community and, and then ate pizza afterwards, you know? That's awesome. And the really cool thing about it is this group is still together. After wow. I left, I was there, I was there in that position for four years. And I just have to say that that's one of the, the uh, highlights of uh, my time there. And, um, you know, when I first got there, there were about 26 kids maybe in the high school march, the band. Right. And we did, a, we did like our little halftime show and played, you know, for the football games and stuff like that. And by the time I left, I had kind of built it up to about 60 kids. And wow. it was just really just a, a really cool experience for me, a way for me to get my feet wet and just kind of see all aspects, you know, of a program and, um, you know, make my mistakes, but also, you know, be able to be creative and, and problem solve because we had issues. And I mean, we had uh, a pet band and come to find out, you know, all of my brass section were basketball players. What do you do? <laughs> you know, so we had members of the community that also played instruments that came in to help. And I had a parent that played uh, string bass 
and bass guitar. And so we didn't have a tuba player, so he filled in. So everybody kind of came together and uh, it was just really a unique experience. That's great. That's, that's very, I mean, the interge intergenerational community jazz band, that is just awesome. That is so well, cool. Yeah, it was, it, it was absolutely amazing. And the cool thing is, is that uh, this would have been maybe about eight years ago I got a phone call from, from one of the members and they said, hey, um, are you anywhere near Crown Point? And I'm like, yeah, I, I live in Crown Point. And, and uh, they said, well, we're playing a gig up at uh, one of the places on the square. Would you like to come and sit in with us? Oh, I'm like, oh, awesome. wow, this would be cool. So uh, yeah, I had an opportunity to, to play with the group not too long ago, but uh, it's just something I'm just super proud of. That's great. And so where, where are you now? I, I mean, after that four years, where did you head? I fell in love with the love of my life and we got married and we decided to go to graduate school. Cool. So um, we ended up back at ISU just because that happened to be where, you know, our needs as far as what we wanted to do for our graduate work kind of worked out. And I had the opportunity to work with a wonderful conductor and arranger, uh, John Boyd, who mm -hmm. actually just recently passed away this past spring. Yeah. But um, he, he was a student of John Painter up at Northwestern. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And we just, we had some really cool opportunities there. He brought in John, um, and it was near the end of John's life, actually that I got to work with him a bit. And then Frederick Fennell. Oh, wow. And awesome. uh, I mean, he brought in some, some big people and uh, it was just, it was something else. And I learned, you know, the most from John just by watching him on the podium. And- uh, It's wild that you mentioned Frederick Fennell. I, I, he conducted the 100th anniversary Sousa concert like in 2000 and, or 2001, I forget when it was. And Frederick Fennell was the conductor and I got to play for him. Uh, just an extraordinary, I mean, that, that's at, at Indiana State University, you've got John Painter and, and oh, Frederick yeah. Grinnell coming. That's it. What a great opportunity you had. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, Fennell at the time, he was, he was uh, you know, near the end of his life as well. And, you know, I would watch him, you know, walk. He needed assistance to help him walk up the stairs to the podium. And then once he got up there, oh, my gosh, he was dynamite. Right. You know, and just to see those guys come alive in music was something else. And uh, of course, Frederick Fennell was a timpani player, and uh, you could just so so see that in the way that he conducted. It was yep. just as a percussionist, very very cool. And then I uh, got some time to study uh, saxophone, of course, with Paul Bro, and um, who was a great um, saxophonist and educator, and. Um, just had a really, really good experience there. From there then, uh, my husband and I, my husband actually um, uh, had a degree in molecular biology and he was doing some research, uh, working for a company in research. We ended up uh, moving back up into the region and I was looking for a position, finally got a position about a week before school started. At a, yeah, right? <laughs> It was like we were kind of uh, really worried about how we're going to make this work. We're both, you know, finished with uh, with school. We got to find employment, and at the time, 
we were actually kind of in a bad situation because they had a hiring freeze in my husband's area of work. And so he luckily was able to do some side work. He worked construction for a while and then was able to, to get a position in, in research, and which, which actually only lasted for a short time because then he had ended up in education as well, which not right. is, not a, is not a bad deal. But um, we ended up moving back up into the region for this job I got at Kaler Middle School. And I was a little bit perturbed because, you know, I just finished this degree in wind conducting and I was all gung-ho about all this advanced literature. And now I'm at a middle school and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And, and um, I was uh, at, you know, some other, in Indiana, had some other interviews I had, you know, down south and some of these more rural areas and uh, I got a little bit perturbed just as a female and not that there weren't any female conductors at the time but not near as many as there are now and you know in the 80s and right I just you know there were a couple times there where you know I had to interview and it's like hey little lady you know how are you going to handle these high school kids and oh, you know God. it's like oh just trying, and I, I'm so thankful for, you know, people like Judy Grimes and others that have gone before me that have had, you know, blazed the trail to try to help out a little bit with this. And as a conductor too, you know this, um, I mean, there's different energy too. You have, you know, more male and female energy and how do you, you know, how do you make that work? And I think women have to have a sense of that and kind of come into their own and and there are so many great role models now yeah. for us. But uh, yeah, it was a struggle to find that job that I was looking for and ended up in, at Kaler. And in the beginning, we had two middle school directors and I came in as the second one. So the, the other director really had most of the ensembles. So I started off doing beginning band, two sections of beginning band and general music. And then I did a, a piano keyboarding lab um, which was right up my alley because right. I play piano as well. And so I did that for a while. I'm like, man, this is just a stepping stone for me to move to what I'm really wanting to go to. And then my husband and I started a family. We had three children. Um, we had uh, an issue where um, the other director wanted to move on into instructional technology so he ended up moving over into computers and I ended up taking his position. And um, I had to fight for a, a couple of years to take over basically the program and uh, not necessarily because I wasn't qualified because, but because they were afraid they wouldn't be able to find somebody that just really wanted to focus on general music. So right. finally got them to, to open that up and, and it was just uh, something that I just kind of fell into and have ended up staying with just because I, I made it into something I was proud of. And I didn't really want to uproot my family. And that was um, kind of one of the concerns. But I think, I think you can do that. Have a balance, I think, is pretty important between your career and uh, your family, especially as a female yeah. working in the business. And um, it's worked out. It's worked out well. And I, I do have some regrets, but I have had some other really cool opportunities that have happened because I've stayed. So yeah, it's, you know, it, it's funny because middle school, which was my whole career, I did 15 years at middle school. 
it's one of those age levels where you may not be able to attain like a grade four, grade five level of performance, even if you try with all your might. But getting a really good grade two and a half, grade three sounding great is actually just as fulfilling. At least it was for me. Oh, um, absolutely. I, but uh, so, Lita, if I can, what, why don't we just press fast forward to a description of what kind, what you're offering now, uh, uh, pre-COVID and and post-COVID? What does the Kaler Middle School Music Program offer, and 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 maybe describe the situation that you're in now after that? Right. So currently, um, I have two sections of each grade level. We start band in sixth grade. So I do have a fifth grade general music class, which is like an intro to band, which is a four and a half week class. And then I swap with our choir director and she does things to kind of recruit and talk about things based in choir. From there, then we have two sections of sixth grade band, two sections of seventh, two sections of eighth grade, and then I have a jazz band that meets before school. That's an auditioned group. And then basically, um, at this point with the pandemic, we are offering everything, surprisingly. In Nothing, person. In person and virtually. And uh, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty tough day. We Can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, and I will say this, the, the last spring when they canceled school on March 13th, Friday the 13th, that ought to tell you something. No, that, that's the day that us, for us two here in New York. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was panicking because we had scheduled our instrument tryouts the next week. And so everything was canceled. And I was totally scrambling to say, well, what are we doing for the fall? How am I gonna have a, a, you know, a beginning band for the fall? So luckily I'm a really big supporter of music aptitude tests because I think any kind of data that we have for students and parents is very helpful and not to exclude students, but to help us make smart decisions about what would be some, some instruments that you could be successful playing. So luckily, the majority of the kids had taken their music aptitude test. Then I took the time to um, copy their photograph and put it into an Excel sheet. So I had an Excel sheet with their scores, their photos, so I could see what their face and their teeth kind of look like. And then I sent out an interest form for students to rank their top three instruments they were interested in. And then I had to do a virtual type of thing where I sent out an email to all the parents and said, here, join this join our meeting virtually and we talked through the program and then had kids sign up through that and uh, extremely resourceful and creative to get that done right and i'm i'm like totally blown away by how well it worked i i i really haven't found so far anybody that's on you know that can't be successful so i really think that uh, i'm on to something there with uh not that trying the instrument isn't important. I think it is. 
And I think it also brings in more students into your program. Once they hold that instrument, I think that's pretty exciting for them. Absolutely. I, I'll never forget getting my first trumpet. I was so excited. I must have, I must have just opened the box like every five minutes when it was in my right. room. Yeah. So you do miss out on that. And our numbers are down due to that. So, you know, the pandemic has impacted the numbers a little bit. Um, but I mean, we're still looking at, at the experience and the quality of what these kids are getting. And that's what I think we really have to focus on um, during the, the pandemic. You know, it's got to be fun for the kids. It has to be something that, yeah, they really want to open that case up and see the instrument, hold the instrument, play the instrument. And the younger kids so far, I mean, they're still super excited and, and, and we're, we're doing things to keep them safe. So, you know, the next thing that I'd like to talk about is this, some of the safety precautions that we're taking, if that's okay with you, Jim. Oh yeah, please, I'd, I'd love to hear it because I'm sure everyone's going, wait, you're in person? How's that, you know, here, yeah. in, New, here in New York, I, where I live in about 20 miles north of Manhattan, I, I don't know of any band programs that are actually playing indoors. Some of them are playing outdoors with extremely motivated directors. They're out, outside on the football field 12 feet apart, but I'd love to hear what you're doing right now. Well, in the beginning, we were outdoors and the weather is not going to cooperate with us. So, you know, we got to a point about oh, three, four, well, at least a month ago that uh, being outside, we get a lot of rain here as far as we start transitioning into fall. The weather is pretty unpredictable. And so um, in the beginning, we were playing outside and I went out and there's a, a, a drive area where the custodians built us some barricades where we could be uh, partitioned off. And then I took spray paint and then marked off uh, an eight foot area in between everybody and we were outdoors playing. And luckily my Wi-Fi still worked outside most of the Oh my God, that's time. right. Yeah, that, yeah you, know, you don't so think I of those things. Close. Yeah, so here I am, I have this big cart with my laptop, I've got, um, a portable Bluetooth speaker and a microphone. And uh, I'm, I'm dealing with the kids at home and having the kids outside and the kids dealt with it beautifully. I mean, we just had a routine built in for them so they knew exactly what to do. They were really good about keeping their masks on until we got outside and I released them to take their masks on and they, they just really did really well with it. But it got to a point where, you know, we have to do something. So. My classes are kind of bursting at the seams right now as far as being able to keep everyone six feet apart. That's basically what I can do right now with the size of room that I have. But my boosters bought us air purifiers. So we spent about $800 on air purifiers to, to clean the air. Um, the kids, <clears throat> I marked off on the floor with tapes where their, um, their chairs are gonna be six feet apart. The kids wear masks, but I have accordion masks. So if you open up an accordion mask and you cut a slit with a fabric cutter, and then you close it by pulling the corners, so it's closed, so the slit is underneath, and then when you're ready to play, you pull the top and the bottom open. Wow, so that is, that's very cool. I've it seen is. a lot of pictures of it and I can't imagine doing it. I mean, do you also have like do flutes and saxophones have those instrument, those bags that go over the instruments or is it purely the masks? 
Well, we're doing the mask, which were donated. They're just regular, and anybody can do this. They're regular accordion masks. You just have to make sure that when you cut the slit, you open it up and make sure where the slit is, is covered up once it's, you know, you have it closed. And so that's a really cheap way because some of these masks that some of the music companies are selling are very expensive. So you can go like Old Navy has them and, and you could get like, a, I think it's a five pack for $12.50. Um, but you can order those up and then cut your slit through there and there you are, you're, you're good to go. So it's a pretty cheap way to, to find a way, a solution for it. Then we also did a sewing project. So my oldest daughter um, helped me out with this. Actually, my whole family did. Um, I measured the bells and then added three inches to the top and bottom and we cut squares of fabric. So two layers of cotton fabric and then a, uh, a section of interfacing in the middle. And then we had the kids sew around the outside of that. And then we cut slits around the outside and then weaved uh, elastic through it. And then basically just tied the elastic around the bell. And it was a super easy and cheap way to make bell covers for all of the instruments. And the kids and the kids helped in the production of those, the kids themselves, like, you they know. Made the, them, yeah, we put together sewing kits. So I found on Amazon some tiny sewing kits. I got, I don't know, 200 sewing kits, kits for like 15 bucks, something like that. Wow. Um, and then we put, I put a piece of chalk in there so that they could measure for the outside where they're gonna cut the slits. Um, and then we cut the elastic. So they had a little like sewing package of everything they needed. And we took a week and we did this sewing project in class and listened to music and, you know, just had fun doing it. And it was just uh, kind of actually a cool, cool situation. You really got to see uh, how kids reacted with uh, dealing with adversity of, and I can't thread my needle and, you know, just kind of things like that. You know, one, I, Lita, if I could just stop you for a minute. It's extraordinary, you know, your story. And I'm sure when you were at ISU doing your undergrad and grad work, they didn't have like a one day you're going to have to teach the kids how to sew. But, you know, your kind of passion for making sure that music is still being made, that you still have a band program and that you'll have a vibrant band program after this insanity is over is just testament right. to the type of music educator. My hat's off to you. That is so oh, cool. Yeah. I've not heard of, of a band director having sending out sewing kits so that their kids could, you know, play safely together. It's extraordinary. Oh yeah. And we had we've had special uh, masks made. I have one of the one of the teaching aides is really into sewing and I said, do you think you could make kind of a bandana like uh, special uh, mask for the flute players and she did it and uh, it, it's working out great. The kids That's are doing awesome. a, they're doing a fantastic job and, and I'm super proud of them. They're just dealing with this so well. So, uh, well, if, if I can, Lita, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, I could, we could talk about this forever, but I, I do want to get to the, your, like how is technology in, in all of this? Cause we, we've, we've chatted for a half an hour now and I'm just fascinated, but I'd love to get to the, what are you doing with technology? How did you get interested in it? And, and, and like, what, what does their daily kind of interface with that look like on top of what you're already doing? Right. Well, I'll just say that I've never been a techie and I, and I don't have a natural, uh, you know, ability in it, but I've always been fascinated by the possibilities. 
totally fascinated by it. And um, one of the things uh, I would say way back in 2007, and you know, there were some other music platforms that were starting off during that time, and we we tried them. And I think it maybe it was because kids just really didn't have computers like they do now, or you know, have phones like they do now with the ability to to handle technology. Um, and so I kind of coasted in and out of doing some different apps and, and some other things and didn't really find 100% what I, what I was looking for until I met you actually at the Con Selmer Institute. And this is where I just totally bought into the idea of having everything on one website. And I just love that about oh, that's it. That's great. That's great. And uh, it's so helpful. And in that way, the kids don't feel like they're, you know, they're lost. Where do I go? And I got to go here. And then I need this app. And so everything in one place has been great. We do use uh, Canvas. So we use Canvas and Music First as our top two go-tos for music. And it's it's been working great because I piloted the program actually the fall of 2017 after I met you and I thought this really has some great potential and I started talking to my choir and other band directors in the corporation I said you know really need to try this I think across the board this could be something that could be great for the entire corporation and, and then our director of sec secondary curriculum got involved and we you know have been using it for the last two years then as a corporation and we hold some meetings um, uh, at least once a semester to try to go over and help each other with different things that uh, different projects different types of assignments that work for us and we try to stay connected that way um, we haven't done that yet with the pandemic but i hope to to schedule something here soon so that we can, can all kind of stay on the same page but I've kind of scheduled my world around what's best, obviously, for kids and how I'm doing my assignments. So we basically play for the full period on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Wednesday is an ear training day. Now on oh, Wednesday- That's really cool. Yeah. So on Wednesdays, we are actually, due to the workload, because I'm telling you this, it is incredibly exhausting to be on camera all day long, on uh, Google Meet all day long, dealing with kids at home. And, and these kids, some of them have, you know, they're, they're having mental health issues. They're home by themselves all day long if the parents are working or they're lonely. They need that human connection. And I will just say this, while I do love connect, uh, you know, technology, there's, I don't think you can replace learning in person with a live teacher. I hear, just hear, really hear, hear. I couldn't that's, agree more. That's, that's something we just can't replace. And it's, we're seeing that evident in the interaction and the, you know, what the limitations are of Google Meet or Zoom or whatever it is that you're learning. I mean, the exhaustion you feel at the end of the day is just terrible. Yeah. But I mean, I, I do, I do probably five, six Zoom meetings every single day running this company. And uh, it is exhausting. It's absolutely, by that fifth or sixth meeting, you're like, hi, what's up? <laughs> right? And I can just imagine being, you know, being 12 years old and dealing with that. And I think you said something really important, Lita, and that is that, you know, the, the, the kids that we have, we really need to look after them. We, the, you know, as an adult, we're stressed out. Um, we, we certainly never plan that for our children. Uh, 
Yeah, it's so you have kids who are attending virtually and in person. Yes, yes. Yeah, that so, even makes and, it even more are, difficult. <laughs> right. And we, uh, as a school corporation, uh, just over the past couple of weeks, they are doing a 90 minute early, early release on Wednesdays. So our class period is cut down to 35 minutes. And that's why I chose to do the ear training makes on sense. that day. So we're using Aurelia. The kids will have an Aurelia assignment on that day to reinforce some of the things that I really want them to be focused on. And then I also do a listening journal through Google Slides. So I put together, and this is more for like social emotional and just because I want them to listen to a variety of different types of music. And I did a really cool one with uh, how to compose music uh, using math and kids really got into that, you know, and they were kind of blown away by like 12 tone music and yep. Uh, the Fibonacci sequence and using pi and just kind of different things. And uh, just, it, it's been pretty cool to see what their responses are to some of this stuff. And um, then I use, of course, uh, on Tuesdays, they have uh, either one or two small assignments in practice first that will always be due on Tuesday. So I kind of uh, have Mondays as a review day for the assignment that's due on Tuesday. Tuesday, I start new material. Wednesday is the ear training day. Then Thursday, I try to focus on something with rhythms that is going to be involved with the new assignment. And then we'll learn some uh, band literature, any kind of music that we're working on. And then Friday, I try to make kind of culminate you know, uh, pull together everything on Friday so that they have the weekend to do their assignment if they feel ready. If they want to wait, we have Monday as that review day. And then Tuesday, it's due. And then I generally give them like a week-long grace period if they need an extra, some extra time to do it. But uh, it's worked out really well so far. But I think what's key is that we're asking kids, does this feel right to you? And that's what I've tried to do is, and I've made my mistakes, you know, the kids are like, yeah, this feels like too much. And I think it's really important that they have a say in what's happening. Oh, I agree especially completely, especially now, right? <laughs> especially now. And so many of our parents in our area do work in the healthcare profession. So they're stressed about, you know, you know, their, their parents working long hours and possibly, you know, being sick with the virus. And of course, everyone's seeing an uptick in the positivity rates and so forth. So it is a stressful time for everybody, but I think we've got to keep, we've got to keep the music going. I really feel like we're doing things safely, as safe as possible. Yep. Uh, so far, I have not had any outbreaks in my classroom. Um, unfortunately, we have seen some outbreaks with our sports teams, uh, especially any of the teams that have close contact. So we have, once a kid, there's a, a positive uh, um, virus that's confirmed, then uh, those kids go into quarantine. If their parents are sick, they have to go into quarantine. And then they go into, you know, the e-learning section yeah. and they have to join the Google Meet. So um, right now it's it's day to day, but I think like uh, Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, you got to keep going, you know? No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's one of these things where, um... You, if you mentally, I mean, forget teaching for a minute and just think as a human being, it, this is tough. It's tough on everybody. It's tough on the kids. It's tough on the parents. It's, it's just tough navigating. 
everybody I know, my own family, everybody's been affected. So, you know, that, that you got there. And, and the way I look at it, I mean, music first over the last eight months, are, we've been so incredibly busy. I actually don't have time to worry about everything else. And I would imagine that as a music educator, if you focus on, well, what can I do? What, what am I able to provide for these students? That kind of structure that you just talked about during the week. I think you're very fortunate in that you can actually see them in person. Um, but that, that kind of, that all, taking all that anxiety, that fear, that kind of uncomfort, that, you know, all the, all the stuff that we've, we've all been through as a country over the last eight months, and instead focusing it on how am I going to keep my music program running? It, it, I would imagine, I, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but it, it, it helps you get by. It helps you no, know, to, fo to focus on, on, on this instead of the, um, focus on music instead of COVID and, and what you can do. And it, it, I know for me, it's been the only thing that's kept me sane. I will have to agree. And I think, and I think you have to be real with the kids too. I mean, there are days, I mean, I've had a, a couple of days where I've gone home from, you know, driven home from work with some tears in my eyes, you know, and it's, you get up the next day and, and, you know, you just have to hit the reset button and say, you know, I've got to be there for the kids and the music has to be there for the kids. And I know that there's, there's times when I've said, wow, if I just didn't have this day to day, how would I get through it? And I think taking care of yourself, self-care right now, uh, as a teacher is, and, and as teachers, we are, we are givers and we have a tendency, I think, to burn ourselves out sometimes. Yep. Self-care, especially during this time, we have to be at our best for our kids. And that means, at least for me, it means that if I've had a bad day and it doesn't matter what the weather is, I'm going to go out and I'm going to run three miles to get that out of my system. Yep. And I'm going to, you know, read some good books and binge some good shows on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's and, important. Uh, it's absolutely important. It's never been more important for that, you know, the social emotional learning kind of um, thrust that we've all been like, this is what we need to do. We need to do it for ourselves as well. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if I'm having a bad day, I'll, I'll just walk in and I'll just say, guys, you know what, this is what we're going to do today. And I'm just to let you know, I'm, a, I'm feeling, feeling it a little bit. And usually by the end of the period after working with them, I'll say, you know what, guys, I feel so much better because I spent time with you. Yeah, that's really, really important. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears because we can go and we've only got about five, five minutes or so left. But I just want to make sure I get I get to a couple more quick questions. First, I'm dying to know what is your plan? Are you going to have a winter concert? Is it virtual? Is it in person? I'd love to I'd love to know. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, in the beginning, we were told all concerts were canceled for first semester. And, um, and then because the sports teams were continuing to um, have meets and games and all of this, then uh, the director of secondary curriculum said, you know, we want to see some concerts happening. And they suggested us doing our winter concert outside on the football field. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, very plastic well. mouthpieces. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, and so, um, what I at least came up with for, for, for my school, because I have, you know, we have two other middle schools that are, are part of our corporation and they're doing, you know, kind of their own thing. And we wanted to have flexibility to kind of meet our own special skill sets and so for me, I'm trying to keep it as normal as possible. And our plan is that we'll have a couple of, of rehearsals because 
every every group has two sections so we got to put the band together we'll, we're going to plan and have you like a two-hour rehearsal to put a couple tunes together and then we're going to have a recording session after school in the gym socially distanced with our masks i'm going to be inviting our virtual um, learners our e-learners to come in for that two-hour session and um, if they choose to they can be a part of it live we'll social distance we'll keep them away from the rest of the student body so they can be as safe as possible or they can record um, their music and submit that that way but that's i mean that's the plan and then of course we'll get all the licensing and whatnot and then we'll you know submit the video for the for the parents and the families that's extraordinary i want everyone to hear that loud and clear you're going to be in the gym you're going to record it and it will be an audio and and video recording that people can watch so that you're not packing a school auditorium exactly brilliant exactly. absolutely brilliant it's that got is a be, really it's great idea yeah yeah wow. so that's what's happening <laughs> all right so um before we close out i'd love um you know you've been teaching 29 years 28 of them were totally normal 29 wham right um, you know i'd love to get uh you know with that type of experience lita uh, and as a female band director uh in the heartland i'd love to get your advice it doesn't necessarily have to be about music technology uh, because i mm -hmm. love the way yours is a really light integration um, but what advice would you give to people um, in terms of, you know, keeping their programs going during this time and, 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 and the use of technology based on your experience? Well, I would say use the technology to help you do your, your job easier and better. I think that's pretty important. And, and that's kind of coming from a selfish part of me is that don't burn yourself out. Use this technology to help you. Then you're going to find technology, hopefully, that's going to make your students better musicians. That's what you want. And to keep you connected, use that, that technology as a connection to other people. So whether it's through virtual, whether it's um, you're making recordings, but you've got to somehow find the connection through music and your community so that they don't forget about your program. That I think is really important. Very. Um, and this is something that you can implement. You know, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Whatever you choose, keep it simple and integrate and do this slowly with whether it's if you're using practice first, doing short assignments, um, something that's not going to be too overwhelming because change, even though we had a big change with the pandemic, when we have to change and learn technology, I find that doing this slowly, making sure everyone feels comfortable with it is going to be something and any change that we do is slow and that the kids have some say in it is really important so that we don't turn kids off, number one. And then you also make sure that parents understand that teaching virtually while it's not, you know, the best option is still a good option in the situation that we have and Absolutely. kids can be successful doing it. And, and I think that that's, you know, where, what, I, what I would tell them. Yeah. Excellent advice indeed, Lita. So my last question for you is the one I, I ask everyone, and that's the magic wand question. And it can be either yeah. about music first or just technology in general. But if you could like, you know, at, at right now, just say, all right, this has changed to make your life easier, whether it's music first or anything, what, what would it be? 
Um, I would say right now, the kids, this is just for my observation, they, I can't really get them off. It's hard to get them off of the uh, computer games. They're really into computer games. And it would be kind of cool if Music First had some kind of music game center as maybe a rewards or oh, somehow cool. have something in there where maybe the teacher could even be in control of it where you hit so, so many points and you get to go to the game center something of that nature just more students kid centered that's a reward that's that just is an ex that's the first time anybody's recommended that and i already have an idea so oh great literally you're the first person ever to say that and there are some games that are out there that are really, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I would use the word fun because, you know, but, but they're, right. they're definitely more game-like. They kids score points, they get high scores. Um, that's a really, really good suggestion. <laughs> right. Uh, my kids, they like, uh, we, we found this uh, app called Ninjenius where they get to, uh, it's like naming note names on the staff and fingering, and they have a little guy that does karate with the kids really kind of like something like that. Right, or, very cool. Yeah, so. All right, watch this space, very, that's, a, that's excellent. Anyway, uh, Lita, thank you so much for being generous with your time and speaking to us. And um, I know that um, I personally, and I'm sure that almost every single listener will have found some inspiration in the way that you've managed this, the way that your community has managed it. This kind of, uh, you know, never say, never quit kind of attitude and, and the importance of making sure that we keep as much of uh, the normal, you know, pre-COVID world alive and well in this post-COVID world, you know, focusing on, uh, on, on the students' mental health, but also their musicianship as well as our own you know, kind of navigating through this. So I really appreciate everything that you've said today, Lita, and, and, I, and I wish you all the best. And, and I hope that uh, your winter concert recording, I, I'm, I'm going to look for it. And I hope people, <laughs> it's, so it's Kaler Middle School. In, what's the name of the town? Dyer, Indiana. Dyer, Indiana. So everybody Google it and see if we can see that. <laughs> concert. Anyway, thank you so much. Have a wonderful school year. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.